I'm not sure where Carlos Correa is. I'm sure that a few teams have made a couple of deals. And as we wrap up this year, we ask the question, is it better to pay too much or not enough? It is the final crossover with Locked On Diamondbacks You're for 2022. We're going to do many more in 2023. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer, certainly sitting in my in-law's house somewhere in an undisclosed location in California. And apparently, I am the lighting here makes me look diabolical. But speaking of diabolical, right over there is the host of Locked On Diamondbacks. Please, mystery guests, enter and sign in. Yes, Miller Thomas, host of Locked On Diamondbacks, and currently sitting in great lighting. The sun is hitting me at the perfect angle. It's golden hour right now. I should upload a pic to Instagram. Speaking of which, follow Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram by typing in Locked on Diamondbacks in that little search bar, or you can follow my personal Twitter at Creator Thomas24. We're on all your podcasts and platforms. We're on YouTube, of course, where you can see both of our mugs. So go follow Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube and all your podcasting platforms. And as I take a quick sip there, uh, follow us at Locked on MLB Pods. Uh, same handle for Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me on Instagram at, at Sully Baseball Podcast. And once mm-hmm. I figure out this whole mastodon thing you follow me there i don't quite understand what it is it may be like friendster hey speaking of friendster we're here with miller thomas and um it is the 28th day we're recording this 28th day of december and um i i don't know where carlos correa is playing the carlos correa has been the gift that keeps on giving to this podcast because every time i think that we're all Wrapped up for the year, and uh, Correa. I made a joke a couple of podcasts ago where I said he his 13 year deal with the Giants was void as we signed a 12 year deal with the Mets, which will be void. We signed an 11 year deal with the White Sox, will be voided. 10 year deal with the Rockies, will be voided. The nine year deal, and I went down each one was a different team name, and finally he signs a one year deal with the Twins. In other words, exactly what he was last year. And I said that as a joke may become true. You know, it's funny that when a lot of people started trashing the Giants and praising the Mets when they swooped in, when the physical failed with San Francisco and immediately signed a 12-year deal with the New York Mets, there's a lot of people showing how, you know, you know, chirping about how this is the Mets, how smart the Giants and this and that. And never once did any of those people take into account, maybe the Giants weren't stupid Maybe there was something wrong with his physical. And if he can't make it to the physical healthy, maybe you don't give him a baker's dozen worth of years on a contract. And now the Mets, who were crossing, oh, we got him, said, oh, yeah, he does have a bad physical. 
Now, not to get all on the tribute to the late Olivia Newton-John, let's get physical okay. and let's talk about this situation. Is he going to be in a full body cast by the time pitchers and catchers report? Who knows? I mean, my biggest question is, do they sign these contracts, work out the details, and then they're like, let's get the physical done after? Because I don't understand why these teams don't get the physical done first before talking about these long-term deals, before deciding on, should I make an investment over 10 years into this product? Let me at least test drive it and make yeah. sure it works correctly. Like, I don't understand why we do it backwards, signing them to a 10-year deal, and then doing the physical. Yeah, that, I mean, it's strange. It seems like that it's like maybe because you know he didn't end the year on the disabled list that i think this is going to be a formality but you're still you're going to be investing think about that's the the contract that san francisco offered correa is longer than three presidential terms yeah i mean that's 13 years 13 years i i mean Look, at, I've always been one to say, let the players get whatever contracts they can. And we'll talk a little bit about that at length at the final segment, because I have some thoughts about the people who want to curb owner spending. Um, uh, you know, this is it's a free market system. And if they can get a 13 year deal, more power to them. I personally think it's borderline bananas to sign anyone uh, a, you know, above the age of 22 to a contract longer than five years. I mean, I, I know you'll get that sixth, seventh, or eighth year, but sometimes I think you're better off being the team that doesn't sign someone to a long-term deal. I mean, people have trashed the Red Sox for allowing beloved players to skedaddle, but they've also not been hampered with long-term Albatross deals for the most part because they didn't get emotional about Pedro or Nomar or some of the other players that you and I would have been emotional about and sign them to 15-year deals and then watch them decay, or they let Jacoby Ellsbury get injured on someone else's dime. And, I, you know, but if they're going to, you know, Correa knew he could probably get a big contract, and maybe every, here's where, here's where it gets fishy for me. If Correa knew there was some stuff that was happening, that would be a red flag. And none of this was disclosed, even in the slightest. Uh, then I think he's going to have a hard time getting anything near the contract he wants. Yeah, because how bad must his knee have been for the Giants to look at the physical and say, we're not even going to attempt to restructure this contract and put options in or whatever. We're just going to let you walk, let the Mets yeah. deal with this issue now. And now the Mets, after signing him to a decade-long deal, they're like, actually, hold up. We might actually have to put some provisions in here, maybe make this an incentive-based, a games-based proposition because it seems like Carlos Correa's knee, he might have one of those degenerative conditions where you're like, all right, eight years down the line, like he might only be able to play DH because you can't keep him in the field anymore. So that's going to diminish his value on the back end. But I know we're going to go, go get into it a little bit later, but I think this is why I believe we need term limits on contracts because we shouldn't be able to go over five or six years. We saw it in the NBA. They eventually instituted max contracts in the NBA where you can't go over five years. I think baseball needs to intro introduce some sort of that proposition where it's like, all right, this player, he's worth this amount of money. You could pay him whatever you want. You could pay him 30, 40, 50 million a year, but you can't pay him over five to six years because I think after five or six years, you create animosity between the player and the franchise. You create animosity between the player and the fans. Like the back half of those deals, 
teams don't want the player fans don't want that guy on their team like there just creates so much animosity and it's like wouldn't you rather just pay for the best prime years of the player the best five six years of that player instead of paying for five or six years and then six years of not very good production i just think if we brought term limits it would even out the balance of power, more small market teams would get into it. And not every big market team would be able to go out there and just throw a 10-year bag at every free agent on the market. All right. I, I rolled my eyes a couple of times. I hope you noticed right. that. Um, I will say that you could take a look. Maybe instead of instituting a rule, some people will see that some of these things don't work. Or maybe some teams will start to operate like, oh, I don't know, the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves seem to be, I mean, I'll pull this thing up here that I saw. You know, they signed Albies to a long, a seven-year deal, Acuna to an eight-year extension, Olsen to an eight-year, Riley to a 10-year, Harris to eight. They just signed Murphy to a seven, Strider to seven. They're locking up those, the prime years of those players, at which they're going to get, each one of those players will wind up playing at least a decade in Atlanta. Now, if at the end of that, they want another big long-term deal. The Braves may let them skedaddle like they did with Dan Swanson, like they did with Freddie Freeman, and have something new there. But you know if you're an Atlanta Brave, you're going to have all those players I just mentioned's entire prime in Atlanta. And none of those deals are 10-year deals. What they do is they say, hmm, you're pretty good. Why don't, instead of us stretching out the arbitration years and playing grab ass and all this other stuff, why don't we pay you for a long-term contract earlier than you normally would have? Which means, you know, you get taken care of for the rest of your life and everything like that. Atlanta Braves have a core. And it's when these contracts run out, they aren't going to be 35, 37-year-old men. So maybe instead of saying we have to institute a rule, we have to institute a way to police ourselves, maybe you could look over at Atlanta a team that's had a tremendous amount of success recently and say, huh, maybe we should do it like them. Or maybe you do it what the Mets have done with, you know, with, with Verlander and Scherzer. And so you, you create absurd annual, you know, annual money for short term gain. You know, if Verlander and Scherzer bomb, they're not tied up in the long term. I've never been a big fan of we have to police ourselves because we can't help it. You know, you could be smarter. Yeah. You know? And and I think we're finding out that signing, maybe signing some of these players to a long-term deal, you know, may not be smarter. Or maybe if your goal is to win at least one title and you get that one title and you're uh, broken down players the rest of the way, you say, you know, we're fine with that. And that's a choice that the, the, the teams make. But I, I, I'm, I'm never a big fan of saying like, oh, we have to create these artificial limits because there's no artificial limits on what the owners can make. No, no I on their revenue. No, it wouldn't be on the player's salary, how much would they make. It would just be how long you could sign that player because I think that would help balance out the power because I think it's harder for a small market to justify paying someone 10 years for however X amount of money. I think it's easier for a small market team like the Minnesota Twins last year to say, okay, I don't mind paying Carlos Correa $35 million a year if it's only a three-year deal. When you look Why at Carlos- is Minnesota a small market? Why are we still talking about this gigantic metropolis with billionaire owners and we're talking about them as if they're like a team in Muncie, Indiana. Well, listen, they, yeah, the idea of a small market is a fallacy. But as long as your owner's not going to spend money, that's how they're going to well, operate. That's on them. Well, yeah, but if, as long as you're going to have 
uh, no limits and people able to sign a 10-year bag, I think you're always going to have these teams that are deemed, quote-unquote, small market teams always say, I can't afford to go those extra three or four years. But if everyone is only signed to like a four or five-year max, I think it's harder to not justify a small market team going out there and spending a little bit more money knowing you're getting all the prime years of, say, you know, quality all-star player A. You, all right. Well, you can all all size market teams can sign their big the big star and buy out their prime and everything like that. They can all do it. And there's not one single team that can't. Not even the team you're about to say. No, not that one either. I'm talking to the listener. Okay. And so this notion of you know, oh, we have to create an artificial limit on the players. First of all, you know that won't fly. You know, they'll, you know, if you want another, if you want a surefire work stoppage, the easiest bet in the world you can make is that putting some like, instituting something like that limits on the players while having no limits on the owners. That's the biggest surefire bet that'll cause a work stoppage. If you're making any bets, head to Bet Online. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to the college bowl season, basketball. And the NHL, mm. check out the Coyotes. Hey. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. they got the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, that's where the game starts. Uh, before we get into, I, I do want to get into um, what I call the the entry fee that I think every team needs to make. Um, I do want to talk about a couple of the other moves that were going around. Uh, the, you saw the the Red Sox sign Corey Kluber. Oh, God. And I hope with that comes a time machine to take us back to when he was a Cy Young Award uh, finisher. Um, I, I had on uh, uh, Lauren from uh, Lockdown Red Sox the other day. Uh, obviously, the Red Sox are a gigantic market, and they're acting like they are the twins. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> they're actually like they're the Rays. Um, I, I it what bothers me the most about the Red Sox isn't that they're going to have a bad year, which I think we we're all pretty sure they're going to. It's that they're rudderless. I'll take a bad year. I think any Red Sox fan would take a bad year if they knew it's building towards something. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what this year team is building towards. No. None. And I have no faith in the general manager who essentially, after you know, Jeter Downs was DFA'd, we're looking up and we're saying, what, Mookie Betts for Alex Verdugo? Yeah. You know, how many of the, you know, uh, Evaldi walked, Martinez yep. walked, mm-hmm. Bogarts walked. Yeah. You know, the they traded... Christian Vasquez for a guy who pleasured himself in the in a parking lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Chris Sale is uh, Chris Sale makes Carlos Correa look healthy, mm. and he Team, signed. I don't. You know, I mean, I'm glad they signed Kluber because they may get ten starts out of him. But I mean, you look up and go like, you know, the Worcester Red Sox are going to be the starting rotation of this team, and I don't see. I don't see a direction for the Red Sox. I don't see where they think they're going to even be 
you know, I don't mind a down year if I know it's filled with young prospects coming up and being able to hit some of the marks. I just don't see that. And this team needs to build a staff. This team, this team has no identity in terms of its offense, with the exception yeah. of Devers. And you know, and I know, Devers is as good as gone. Yeah. You might as well deal Devers, but we saw that they wet the bed in the Mookie Betts trade. So why would I trust them in seven quadrillion years that they're not going to wet the bed in the Raphael Devers deal? Yeah, that's the annoying thing with the Red Sox is that lack of direction you're talking about because they basically blew up their whole roster since 2018, and then they're making moves this offseason. Like, they're going out there, they're getting the Canley Jansen, the Chris Martin, they signed Japanese outfielders to big deals, but then you let guys like Nate Evaldi and Bogarts and J.D. Martinez walk in free agency. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I think when you look at the Red Sox and compare them to a team we talked about in the first segment, the Atlanta Braves, the Braves, I didn't even get a chance to give my opinion. They're doing it right. I agree with you, I love what the Braves are doing. When I talk about the term limits more for free agency, but when I look at the Braves, like this is what I want the Arizona Diamondbacks to do with Corbin Carroll and all these other young guys. If you see, it's a little bit of a risk, but if your guy is good and he flashes in a 50-game sample size in that rookie season or maybe the course of a season and a half, you sign that dude to an 8- to a 12-year deal and you could do what the Braves do and have this whole core of 7-9 to nine guys where you know where your roster is going to be over the next few years. It's what the Padres did with Fernando Tatis. It's what the Rays did with Wander Franco. It's even what the shout-out Ethan Smith of Lockdown Pirates. Even Cabrian Hayes got a like a mini long-term deal as soon as you see debuted like it's a smart play yes there's going to be some risk you're gambling on a guy who you might not even see matured or hit his ceiling or maybe only have one good year production but if that guy hits you're going to get them on a major discount over the long term and for the boston red sox this is where they messed up they could have got bogarts on a way cheaper deal than what he just signed with the san diego padres he offered the money up Early to Mookie Betts, you probably could have got him cheaper than what he signed with the Dodgers. And Rafael Devers, if you offered him a fat contract after, what, his second year in baseball when he looked like an MVP candidate, you would have had that guy locked up for 12 years until the age of 35, just giving you MVP season after MVP season. So the Boston Red Sox, they have no plan. They completely blew up a roster of young quality talent from the Mookies, the Devers, the Bogarts. It absolutely makes no sense. And right now, Ben Attendee. He's a case study for another day. But right now, for the D-backs, watch what the Braves are doing. If Carroll flashes more this year, if the Ryan Nelson and the Dre Jamesons flash more this year, go lock up your young players because the Braves got a core and a rotation and a lineup for years to come that could compete for a World Series. Well, let's talk about the Diamondbacks for a second. Hey. Uh, because they did make a deal. They signed. They 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 sent Dalton Varsho packing mm-hmm. uh, as the Blue Jays are continuing to try to fill the hole that was left from the vacancy of Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, they got Guriel, uh, uh, was it Lourdes Guriel Jr.? Yep. Um, but they also, more impressively, they got Gabriel Moreno, who is, by all accounts, uh, one of the best catching prospects in baseball. Now, they have Kirk at catcher, so they, they, his path was blocked. Um, but the Diamondbacks may have... Look, at, you know what I think about prospects. Prospects are prospects until they're proven. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen a lot of great prospects uh, turn into quadruple A players. That being said, the Diamondbacks seem to have more of a plan than Boston does. Yeah. And they are they have a ton of young talent on their team. I don't know if you know this, but at one point they passed the Giants uh, in the standings <laughs> last year. 
Um, they have a lot of young talent. They do have a centerpiece in Marte. Uh, you know, it would have been great if the uh, the haul for Goldschmidt was a little more consistent than they got. But they are putting together young pieces on the team, which could make them, uh, you know, I think, that, I mean, I, you and I have said this before. If everything goes right for them, I think they could be a fringe wildcard contender next year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I don't think they're going to catch Los Angeles or San Diego, but I do think they could. I I don't think a 500 season is out of the question. And I'll just, again, a little bit more luck could mean 83 to 84 wins, which will probably keep them in a wild card hunt, at least from the end of September. If any team could be next year's Baltimore Orioles, that is the consistent bottom dweller who suddenly the young players click and some excitement starts to kick in in the fan base. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks are a great case for that. And bringing in a blue chip catching prospect to maybe be the centerpiece for that position, I think is a, a really good use of, you know, the, the Diamondbacks are going to get more out of Dalton Varsho than the Red Sox will out of Mookie Betts, probably. Oh, yeah. Right now that deal looks what the D-backs just did look that deal for Varsho is a lot stronger of a deal than what the Red Sox did for Mookie Betts, which is just like an insane statement to say out loud. But this is the first time we've talked, Sully, since Carlos Correa spurned the Giants and signed with the New York Mets. So I'm back on the D-backs, finishing third in the NL West ahead of the San Francisco Giants. I thought Carlos Correa was changing the tide for third place, but no longer. The D-backs changed the tide once again after this trade. I actually think this trade might have lowered their ceiling a little bit for the 2023 season just because I believe in Dalton Varsho's defense, power, and speed so much. But for the long term, for two years, three years from now, Moreno seems to be the better option because he's talking to Lindsey Crosby could be like the next JT Real Muto type seems to be an all-star level catcher just one of the best hitters at that position that we've seen in a long time so to add an offensive tool like that at your catcher position with some speed with some defense as well D-backs desperately needed another right-handed bat. That's what they got with Lords Goriel. So now this lineup is a little bit deeper, a little bit more evenly uh, distributed between righties and lefties. And they were trading from a position of strength with all the outfielders that they had. I didn't know where Dalton Varsho was going to go. I know the at Locked on Astros guys hit me up every week talking about Dalton Varsho trades. I wouldn't have mind a little Christian Javier or Luis Garcia for Dalton Varsho. But to right. get back a blue chip prospect and the deal yeah. for Dalton Varsho, who has yet to make an all-star game, I was honestly shocked. It's not easy to get blue chip prospects. So when you see a guy like Moreno going in a trade, it's usually for the Juan Sotos or the Mookie Betts of the world. But to get him back in the Dalton Varsho trade and add another super utility player in Lords Goriel that can just play all over the field, I think this is a perfect trade for both sides because I was really down on the Blue Jays trading away Teoscar Hernandez. I thought he was a real thumper in that lineup. I thought that was a steal by the Seattle Mariners, but the Blue Jays has such a a depth of catchers. Also, Danny Jansen had a really strong offensive year. Adding Mm -hmm. Dalton Varsho out there, they got better defensively. Added Kevin Kiermaier in the outfield as well. I like this trade for both sides. I think it might lower the ceiling a little bit for the D-backs in 2023, but over the long term, I think both teams are going to be happy with this trade. Well, I mean, the the Teoscar Hernandez trade to Seattle bolstered Toronto's bullpen. And mm-hmm. we all saw in the how the Seattle-Toronto wildcard series ended with an absolute cataclysmic collapse by Toronto's bullpen. 
you know, that you saw that was going to potential Achilles heel. So I think by bringing in, um, uh, was it Kiermaier yep. and Varsho uh, to basically fill in and fill in for the hole that was left by Teoscar with an improved bullpen. Um, but Gurriel, I thought that was, I think in the end, I think Toronto's in, in a very good position going forward into 2023. Um, Gurriel strikes me as someone who may have a better year with Toronto because I think he's going to get the consistent playing time. Yeah, you and I talked beforehand that yeah, his power has is basically disappeared. Mm-hmm. But he's still a solid contact hitter. He's still a solid hitter. And when you have a team full of young players, having a professional hitter just putting balls in play and getting hits can't hurt. You know, maybe you bat him, you know, second in the lineup, you know, where you or where those hits can pile up. Or, you know, you maybe bat him seventh or eighth in the lineup to keep, you know, to keep the ball, you know, to keep the the line moving. I don't know. I, I'm of a big believer of if you have someone in there who's going, you know, two for three, three for four, even if they're all singles, you know, that helps. You know, that helps for a team like Arizona who's trying to, you know, you're not asking, he was trying to find their identity. Curiel is not going to be the centerpiece of the team, obviously, but he is, uh, he could be a valuable hitter in that lineup. Yeah, and they were desperate for a right-handed bat. They were searching yeah. for it all offseason, so he's going to fit that need. And he came up as an infielder through the minors, really hasn't played infield since 2019 because he's considered like an average to below average defender in the infield. But that is a possibility. Ketel Marte, over the last couple of years, his numbers improved when he went to the DH spot. So maybe you get a little bit more Ketel Marte at DH, and then you could put Gary O at a second base or even put him at a shortstop where the D-backs have a pretty weak hole there with Nick Ahmed or Geraldo Perdomo from an off standpoint so you could play Gurriel all over he could even back up Christian Walker that's probably what he's mostly going to do and play some right. corner outfield as well so I just love the addition of Gurriel getting someone that's a proven veteran a solid contact player just a good major leaguer overall and then you add Moreno who's 22 and did have a cup of tea on the Blue Jays last year yeah and- he played he played a handful of games he yeah he played pretty well so going back to what we were saying earlier, if he once again looks good and get, and Corbin Carroll looks good as well, those are two guys who are top five in MLB prospect rankings who flash in their first full season as major leaguers. Lock them in for 10-plus years, and then you can say, I got a superstar outfielder, got one of the best catchers in baseball, and then let's see who else comes with those two foundational pieces. All right, well, for a final segment, we're talking a little bit, and maybe even get into an argument hmm. regarding the idea of a – floor and ceiling in regards of the salaries. But first of all, it's a holiday season. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling a ride, but nah, you can, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car or you kill someone. Everybody knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life. 
or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This has been a message from NHTSA. All right, last segment here. We're here with Miller Thomas. He's right over there. Hello. Um, he's the young one. I'm Sully. I'm the good-looking one. I was going to say, the handsome one. That's right. Like, I'm so damn it. handsome. I'm so damn handsome. Um, I, I hear. Let me just tell you what I think. Mm. I hear a lot of people complain about. You hear there there are three camps of complaining that I've heard this off season. The Mets are spending too much. The you know small market teams are not spending enough, or even big market teams like Boston, and teams like the Braves get players for a relative steal to sign long-term. In other words, you can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. Spend too much, spend too little, spend just enough. Someone's going to complain. I have said I want to remove the stigma of buying a championship. Buy them. You're a billionaire. You're playing, you're doing a game we all wish we can play, and that is play with baseball cards, except have them be real baseball players. You know, you're you're not doing a fantasy league, you're in a reality league. You get to put together your team and try to put the best team out there, and you've got billions of dollars. Isn't that the whole point? The whole point is to do that. It isn't an investment. There aren't you don't see like you know Warren Buffett investing in baseball teams, you're doing it because you got a lot of money, you got a big ego, and you want to be the king of that city. That's why teams get bought, even if they are the supposed small market teams, because you want to have that fun thing. This has been the case forever. Uh, the notion of a small revenue team, I'm not buying it. And nope. by the way, whenever baseball owners have been asked to open their book to show how they're losing money, those books have remained shut because they're all making money. And if a, if a franchise like the San Diego Padres can suddenly become a large market team, then maybe we shouldn't be wringing our hands how a giant metropolis like Minneapolis is like, oh, we're just a small market team with a gigantic region. And da, 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 da. Uh, I don't believe, as I said before, I don't believe in creating artificial limits to what a player can make or what a player can sign for because we don't have similar limits to franchises there's no limits to what a team can sell their team for or their owner can sell their team for what they can do there so why the hell should a player have to do that and i think the best way to make those limits is to show that maybe signing 12-year deals isn't the smartest thing act like the braves but and don't worry this is not a filibuster i will use <laughs> my time but i want to lay this out here i'm in awe i think i've never believed in the salary cap ever I think it's, you know, we don't see that salary caps in other leagues make for more teams winning titles. Just as many teams play in the World Series. As, in fact, many more teams play in the World Series than play in the Super Bowl. And you've seen since 2010, half of Major League Baseball teams have played in at least one World Series, and none of those teams are called the Yankees. Mm. So we've seen a tremendous amount of you know, a, a teams can have windows of championships in ways that we've never seen in football or especially not in basketball, where, it's, you know, it is seems like the same team, like, you know, over and over and over again. But that being said, if the people who are adamant to have a ceiling and to have limits and things like that at the top 
have to also agree there has to be a bottom. There has to be an entry fee. There has to be, it's kind of like I can't go up to the big dealer table in Vegas and say, all right, you're the high rollers. Well, I've got $5.22. Can I play? No, you've got to, there has to be a salary floor. You can't have a disgrace that we've seen where like Cleveland putting out a team that could win the pennant with a bottom five payroll is a disgrace. Year in and year out, the same teams at the bottom of the payroll. You know what? There should be, if you're, there has to be a penalty for that too, for not investing in your team, for putting a minor league product out there. And if you collect any money from the, uh, what's it called? The luxury tax, that money has to go to your major league roster. That's money taxed from another team's major league roster has to go into your major league roster. And you have to have to show how you spent that on your major league roster. Not, oh, we spent it on this international thing or something like that. No, you have to show that you're using that to improve your team that's on the field to make an entertaining product so you don't have a tomato can, so you don't have a minor league team playing in the major leagues. Wow. I yield my time. He yields his time. Yes, let me first say, I don't think the issue is the Mets spending money. I don't think teams spending money in the offseason and going after stellar players is ever the problem. We want to see the New York Mets spend all this money on free agents. I don't care if they spend a billion dollars this offseason. I want to see the San Diego Padres with that threesome that they already have in their lineup add a Xander Bogarts to it, okay? I want to see the Yankees, uh, Evil Empire, go out there and sign a Carlos Rodon to a fat franchise. I want to see stars team up and make super teams but you know what i want even more than that because guess what the salary cap is not going to help anybody though those teams that like to spend money in the offseason they're still going to spend money in the offseason they're still going to get the best players the issue that i have with the mlb offseason is teams that don't spend money is the d-backs who've only signed a miguel castro this offseason is the miami marlins who we feel like have a great rotation may not even be that far from competing and have yet to sign a free agent this offseason i don't think a salary cap will do anything for baseball but there definitely needs to be some sort of floor we need to make these teams spend money and get competitive now i know you hate the term limits on contracts but i think these teams will these quote-unquote small market teams would be more likely to spend money if it was a five-year deal versus a 10-year deal but i do want to dispel the myth that they're all that there are small market teams in major league baseball because i've discussed this on the pod before there are no small market teams there are only cheap owners if every team had a Stephen cohen as their owner every team in major league baseball would be spending money when Ken Kendrick bought the D-backs, they were worth around $300 to $400 million. Now, if he sells the D-backs, they're worth over a billion dollars. He tripled his money in his investment in the D-backs. These MLB franchises are worth so much money. If you can't afford to put a competitive product on the field, if you can't afford to spend money in the offseason, you should sell your major league team. There are plenty of billionaires out there who are willing to come in and spend money in the offseason. Sully Baseball is willing to drop $2 billion on the Arizona Dimebacks to come in and have a $300 million payroll. No more excuses for small market teams. Owners, get your money up, make more investments in the stock market to make more money, or sell your major league team for $2 billion because there will be someone out there willing to come in and match the Stephen Cohens of the world. See this? 
Hmm. What's that? My Super Lotto. Oh. My Super Lotto tickets. All right. He's come through. I'm going to become majority owner oh. of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, all right. Yeah, you probably still need a little group. Probably still need a couple more people. I don't know what the Powerball is sitting at today. Yeah, well, you know, you get you, get uh, oh, all right. We'll get uh, H-Town Wheelhouse and uh. Javier Reyes and oh, get Stacy Gutsulius. We're just turning into the Locked On. We'll buy, we'll buy the team. We'll be the official, and we're going to change the stadium to Locked On Stadium. Oh, okay. Locked On Ownership Group. Then we get the little Locked On Stadium. All right. I'm into this. Is is there a hotel attached to the park in Phoenix? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay. I thought maybe I could live at the ballpark. There's a parking garage. You could live in your car. Yeah, after I've spent all the money on the team, I should probably, <laughs> yeah. probably living in my car. My car's paid for. All right. Well, look, we do agree on that. And any one of the other teams that I thought was going to be a, be spenders was this offseason was going to be Baltimore. Mm. Well, Baltimore finally put together a winning team. They have a nice little core of players that they could build upon. But there was a little bit of ill will, of course, when they trade away Lopez and they trade away Mancini instead of improving the team at the deadline. But they traded away players. Um, I thought that they'd be able to quell some of that and say, hey, look, we still had a winning season. We got a few young players back for them. And now we signed a couple of veterans and we're going to make a run at it. And they did, not, they did nothing of the sort. No. And they have the money to do it. And they have the ability to do it. And they have the reason to do it. Signing one or two players, not even talking about bringing in Judge or bringing in Xander Bogarts or Correa or Rodon or someone like that. Just a couple of decent, decent players coming into there to send a message to the fans that, okay, we're going to put, you're going to fund this summer. We've gone a long way to selling some tickets and selling some, you know, Orioles memorabilia for Christmas time. Uh, you got to be able to have an entry fee. You got to be able to say, here's what it is. And, you know, I love what the Premier League, the soccer Premier League has in England, that the bottom teams. Regulation. Yeah, go to the minor leagues. And <laughs> the top teams of the minor league come to the majors. And I would love to be able to say, God, we better start winning some games. Otherwise, we're going to be, you know, Baltimore is going to be a minor league city and like Syracuse or Worcester or, you know, or Edmonton will be a major league city. And, you know, I, I love that. Give the incentive. Give an incentive at the end of the year to not be a bad team. Yeah, I'm shocked that the Orioles really haven't made any moves. Maybe I'm not too shocked because I feel like the Orioles are kind of like the American League version of the D-backs. I feel like both of these teams are like, we're not going to spend a bag this offseason. We're not going to go out there and sign any mega free agents. But it's like, why not at least add some veterans to round out our rosters? Why not at least spend a few smeckles? Like the Orioles were pretty much like in the wild card race until like the final three weeks yeah. of the season. And like after the trade deadline, they're like, you know what? We really don't want to make the playoffs anyway. We're okay. Um, just sitting on the back burner for another year so i don't know why they didn't want to go more all in on this offseason i feel like they probably know they're not like a world series contender but there were some moves some ancillary moves you could have made on the outside to at least improve your team and get yourself into the fringe wildcard contention once again but i guess the orioles didn't want to do that they're doing it like the d-backs they want to slow marinate this thing i've said that word at least one time on every podcast we've done the last month and so i think they just want to let this thing grow organically and just wait and then maybe they're just a team waiting in the wings and then there's a free agent that comes available on the market maybe they're looking at the boston red sox looking at devers and they're just waiting in the wings to go after a young star player like that maybe they don't want to go 
out there and spend money on a 30-year-old free agent in the offseason. Maybe they would rather trade for a young star like Rafael Devers. So I don't know exactly what Baltimore's plan is here, but they showed a lot last year. And they might not be too far away from contending if they add some quality pieces to that roster. Well, look at quality piece to the Locked On podcast roster will always be this guy right here, Miller Thomas. Doing, doing something different with your hair today. Oh, yeah, got in some braids. Mama some braids up. in there. Okay, I almost didn't recognize you. Mm-hmm. almost didn't recognize you. Can you Can you do – Can you? How, how big can you get it? It gets pretty big. I got like a mohawk right now, so it gets to about – If you mm-hmm. go on Locked On, Dimebacks, Locked On, MLB right now, you can see me doing some fake gestures with my hands, but it gets about yay high, I want to say. Yeah, my I tried at one point, I tried to grow my hair long, and my hair grows up, mm. and it was not a good look. But not you could get a cornrow too. It could be the locked on cornrows brothers, Solly, the Marley brothers. I've heard I've, I've heard of worse ideas. <laughs> okay, not many, but I have. Um, hey, I tell people where they can listen to your show. Hey, follow me at Locked on Dimebacks on all your podcasting flat uh, on all your podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter for my personal account at Creator Thomas Twenty Four, or look up Locked on Dimebacks both Twitter, Instagram for your pi- for the podcast handle, and of course look up Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube as well. And you can follow us at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Lock at Sully Baseball Podcast, and uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. And we apparently had 700,000 downloads Whoa. in 2022. I have no idea if that's a lot. Oh. I don't know if that's good or not. But that does mean more than my mom is listening to the show. I have more hey. people than my mom listening to the show. So, hey, um, next year, we're gonna, we're, we've cleared 700,000 downloads for 2022. I got a goal. 2023, 700 million dollars whoa whoa ambitious yes insane yes probably impossible probably do i understand how downloads work not at all but thank you for listening to us and uh you know i'm gonna still have a few episodes up here we have on new year's eve i have a very special locked on mlb new year's eve episode with H-Town Wheelhouse of Locked On Astros, Ooh. a man who does not want 2022 to end. I like and that. And so we, we do that. And then on New Year's Day, January 1st, at the stroke of midnight on the West Coast, when you're done celebrating, turn on Locked On MLB. We'll be breaking down the updated version of the Suffering Index. And we'll <laughs> see which franchises are suffering the most and in the most need for winning a title and which franchise, which fan base is suffering the least. I have found ways to quantify suffering. And okay. I've been doing so for the last few years. So on behalf of Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks, my name is Paul Francis Sullivan. I am the host of Locked On MLB. Thank you for listening and let's fist pump ourselves. Goodbye.